Hello once again, this is Father Jeremiah, and today I would like to speak with you all about something that is referred to often as the prayer of the heart. Now, I think when all of us think about prayer, or when we talk about prayer, we certainly have many different images or many different definitions that we would use to describe prayer or to explain what prayer is to another person. But I think at its, at its very essence, prayer is a relationship. It's a relationship between us and God. And throughout the history of Christianity, we have always uh, labeled three expressions of this relationship that we call prayer. The, the first expression is vocal prayer, something all of us are very familiar with, right? Vocal prayer is characterized by words, by words that we either use that, that well up from our own heart, or maybe they're the words or the prayers written of, the, of a saint or, or the Psalms, or some other um, words given to us by the church. The second expression of this relationship of prayer is often referred to as meditation, right? Meditation is characterized by reflection, by thinking, by pondering, maybe a scripture passage or a a teaching of the church. We are using our minds in meditation to try to understand or to make sense of God's revelation. The third expression of prayer is called contemplative prayer. Now, contemplative prayer is is very different from vocal prayer and from meditation. Contemplative prayer is characterized by silence. It is a a silence that is given by God. It's not something that, that we create. So in contemplative prayer, we're not necessarily pondering a truth, or we're not speaking to God, but we're simply being with God uh, in silence. A beautiful gift that God gives to certain people as they progress further on on their, in their journey. However, there is another form or another expression of prayer that doesn't quite fit in either of these categories though it contains all of them. And this form of prayer is referred to as the prayer of the heart. Now, this kind of prayer, the prayer of the heart, appears all throughout Christianity under various names. A few different names that you're probably familiar with that that explain almost this same reality of the prayer of the heart. Sometimes it's referred to as the practice of the presence of God, which was uh, made sort of popular by a little book uh, by the 16th century Carmelite brother, Brother Lawrence. Another name for this prayer throughout Christian history is monologistic prayer. And we see this term monologistic prayer, particularly in, in the writings of John Cassian, as he's speaking about uh, the Desert Fathers of the 3rd and 4th century. 
And he talked about how this form of prayer, monologistic prayer, was something that the Desert Fathers themselves practiced. Another name is the prayer of, simplic of simplicity, which St. Teresa of Avila speaks about. In the Catechism, this prayer is oftentimes referred to as silent love or silent prayer. It's also known as uh, the prayer of the cloud, which is a reference, of course, to the 14th century classic book on, on contemplative prayer, The Cloud of Unknowing. And another name, particularly in the Eastern Church, in which this prayer is referred to is, it's oftentimes referred to as inner prayer. And so all of these different names are generally describing the same thing or the same type of prayer. And what all of these names have in common is that they are describing a form of prayer that is simple, that is non-discursive, and that is imageless. Now, let's just take each one of those separately and, and reflect on them for a moment. What does it mean to say that this prayer is simple? Well, during this type of prayer, we are not talking about the praying of novenas or devotions. We're not talking about uh, long speeches to God or praying in tongues or things like that. In other words, in this type of prayer, there is very little talking. There is very little words occurring. Is it because words are bad? Well, of course not, right? But as Robert Cardinal Sarah says, he says to pray is to be able to be quiet for a long time because we are often deaf and distracted by our own words. So the reality is words, too much, too many of them, can oftentimes get in the way of prayer. So what does it mean when we say that this kind of prayer is non-discursive? Well, during this type of prayer, we are not thinking, we are not reflecting on the scriptures or the truths of the faith. As important as that is to do at other times, this type of prayer encourages us to let our, our thinking mind go so as to open up the door of, of our hearts. The 4th century uh, theologian Evagoras Ponticus says that prayer is the letting go of all thoughts. And St. Teresa of Avila often would say that prayer is not so much about thinking, but it's about loving. The third element of this prayer is that this kind of prayer is imageless. So during this type of prayer, we are not imagining God. We're not imagining uh, Jesus sitting next to us or from a gospel scene or anything like that. Now, oftentimes when I mention these things about a style of prayer that is simple, non-discursive, and imageless, 
people will often ask, well, if I'm not deliberately thinking about God, if I'm not imagining Him, and if I'm not speaking to Him, then what is left? Well, my answer to that is, what is left is the living God. Right? Think about a person that you love. Could be a spouse, a child, a friend. Is that person, is the fullness of who, who they are exhausted by your thoughts about them or your words to them or your ideas or images of them? The answer is, of course not. Right? I'm reminded of my uh, grandmother many, many years ago speaking about her husband, my grandfather, who they were married for, for like 60 years. And I remember once she said to him, she said, I love him, but I do not understand him. <laughs> right? There is always more to a person than what we can understand about them with our own minds. And the same is true with God. God is always more than our thoughts, than our words, and our images. And this more is where the prayer of the heart is intending to go, to the more of God. But before we can talk about the prayer of the heart, what do we mean by the heart? You know, for, for many of us, especially in the West, the heart is associated with our feelings, with our emotions, and, and even our thoughts. And obviously this is an aspect of the heart, but it's not the heart in its fullness, nor is it the heart that the saints speak about when referring to prayer. The Catechism so beautifully in paragraph 2563, it says that the heart is the dwelling place where I am, where I live. The heart is our hidden center beyond the grasp of our reason and others. Right? So the heart, as we understand it in Christianity, is that place where each one of us stands before God in truth, as we really are. Where, in a sense, our true colors are revealed. Where there is no hiding behind our masks, behind our roles, behind our social status, and many, many of the other things that we oftentimes hide behind in life. And quite honestly, most of us don't know who that person is because we are so identified with our roles in life, with our social status, with the masks that we wear. Hence, there is this desperate need for a prayer that plunges us into the truth about ourselves. The truth about ourselves can only be known when we stand alone before God. In other words, when we come out of hiding and when we say, here I am, God. 
And I would suggest that the prayer of the heart is a way, not the only way, of course, but is a way to come out of hiding. So what is the prayer of the heart? The prayer of the heart is a simple, non-discursive, imageless form of prayer that intends to lead us into our heart where we can stand before God face to face or heart to heart. So union with God is its essential purpose. We are not talking about a psychological technique to reduce stress. We're not talking about a method to manipulate God or create spiritual experiences. We're not talking about a latest trend in spirituality. We're talking about a prayer that is basically as old as Christianity itself. And because this prayer is is stripped of words, ideas, and images, it's oftentimes been described as standing naked before God, or standing before God with the mind in the heart. It's actually a definition from uh, Bishop Theophan, the recluse. He said that to pray is to stand before God with the mind in the heart. Right? A very, very beautiful definition. So, how do we do this? How do we enter into this prayer of the heart? Well, it's important to remember first that we don't necessarily do prayer, but that prayer, in a very real way, does us. St. Paul reminds us in Romans, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. And then he says, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs, too deep for words. So in other words, our prayer is always a response to God's desire for us. And it's such an important truth I always love to remind people of, is if, if a person desires to pray or wants to grow in their prayer life, they can rest assured that that desire is simply a response to God's desire in that person, that they pray, that they grow. However, we, for on our part, can't just remain idle, right? We must participate and dispose ourselves to this prayer that, as St. Paul reminds us, is already going on inside of us. Right? If we think about it for a moment, all forms of prayer begin with a starting point or some sort of, of structure. Right? If I'm going to uh, sit down on, let's say, Sunday and pray the rosary, you know, I'm not going to start the rosary on Sunday with the third glorious mystery, the descent of the Holy Spirit. Right? Most people, most of the time, will start with the first glorious mystery, and then they'll move to the second and the third and so on. There's a, a logic and a reasoning behind that. The same thing was true with uh, Lectio Divina, 
right? If I'm going to sit down with a particular passage, let's say of the Gospels and pray with, I'm not going to begin that period of prayer by starting at the end of the passage or starting in the middle. No, I will start at the beginning of the passage and work my way through and try to follow as the Holy Spirit is leading. And so the same thing is true with the prayer of the heart. So how do we do this? Well, let's imagine uh, a prayer time. Let's say a person has uh, 20 minutes that they want to devote to this kind of prayer. So what do we do? Basically, we go to a place where we are alone, maybe a room, uh, a chapel, or somewhere outside, somewhere where there's a certain amount of solitude where you can be alone with God without any obvious interruptions. And the wisdom here is that once we get ourselves situated, we choose a invocation or a, a short prayer, which I'll speak about in a moment, and we begin to recite this invocation or this prayer quietly in the depths of our heart. And during this time, the specific time of the prayer of the heart, we are, are not deliberately thinking or imagining God. The basic advice is that during this time of prayer, as we notice our mind and heart getting distracted, which can happen every five seconds, as soon as we notice ourselves getting distracted by various thoughts or entertaining different ideas, we return to our invocation. And just to be honest here, the human person, we are all naturally very, very distracted. So the idea or, or the goal of this prayer is not to have, is not to have no thoughts. It's not to make our mind a blank, not at all. It's simply to go through our thoughts, our distractions, to God's presence. And we do that in this prayer through the means of our invocation or of our short prayer that we have chosen. And so the prayer of the heart then is a matter of returning to God again and again and again. And every time we return to Him through the means of our invocation, is a sign of our faith, is a sign of our love, and it's ultimately a sign of our trust in God's presence and in His love for us. So what are some possible invocations that we can use? Well, generally, these invocations come uh, from Scripture. So without a doubt, the most popular invocation, particularly in the Eastern Church of the Prayer of the Heart, is the Jesus prayer. Oftentimes the Jesus prayer and the prayer of the heart are synonymous. But I, in this little podcast here, just want to sort of extend it a little more. But the, the most popular invocation is the Jesus prayer. The longest version it would be, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Maybe the most common version is, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. The Jesus prayer is an endless treasure of beauty and of depth. But what are some other possible invocations we could use? Well, the invocation, 
Abba, Father, right? Jesus prays in this way. We see in Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Often when Jesus approached, when he appeals to the Father in prayer, he begins with Abba. Paul in Romans 8 and in Galatians 4 talks about the Spirit praying this prayer within us, Abba, Father. And so that's a beautiful invocation. Another possible invocation is Lord Jesus. Right? Paul says, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So to simply pray from the depths of our heart, Lord Jesus, it's as if the Holy Spirit is praying that prayer in us. The name of Jesus alone, the holy name of Jesus, is a beautiful invocation to use. I know some people that use the Aramaic form of the name of Jesus, Yeshua, another beautiful option. Another possible invocation is, Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. I love this one because this is actually where the Bible ends, right? In Revelation 22, verse 20, also in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22, we see these words of Paul, of Paul in Corinthians and John in Revelation, come Lord Jesus. A beautiful invocation. And I always like to say, this is almost where the Bible leaves off. And so from after the book of Revelation till now, this, in a very real way, is our prayer, this waiting for the Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. And another one would be uh, the words of Thomas, my Lord and my God. Those are just a few possible invocations that, that come from Scripture. Now, obviously, it doesn't have to come from Scripture. There can be other personal invocations we could use, like, you know, Jesus I love you, or come Holy Spirit, or something, whatever, whatever the sort of a person is drawn to. But we want to choose an invocation that corresponds to the depths of our heart. And then we want to stick with it. Why? Well, many of the, the fathers and the elders who write about this kind of prayer, they remind us that a tree that is uprooted cannot grow. So if we're constantly changing our invocation, yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's nothing wrong with it. However, we're not giving it a chance to grow in our hearts. And so part of the wisdom of this prayer is that we want to give our invocation and we feel drawn to time to take root within us. So how do we say our invocation? Well, we say it gently. The invocation we choose is not meant to be a machine gun or a machete that plows down distractions, that annihilates thoughts. That's not its purpose. We're not saying it in a way in which we're overstraining or trying to be overly emotional with it. In many ways, our, our invocation is, is almost like a a candle or a flashlight leading us down a dark road. It's sort of this, this gentle uh, light that we're following. Another way we want to say our invocation is we say it obviously with faith. We are praying to a person. The structure of this prayer 
is simply meant for us as a means to open our hearts to the living God. We definitely want to avoid any kind of mechanical uh, recitation of our invocation. We don't want to see it as a, as a, as a, um, a technique. We simply want to say our invocation with faith, either to the Father or to the Lord Jesus or to the Holy Spirit. And the third way in which we want to say our invocation is we don't necessarily have to say it continually during the time of, of our prayer. And I think the best example of this would be uh, an eagle. If you've ever seen an eagle take flight from a tree, they oftentimes will begin by flapping their wings and as they get going, there's a time where they just soar without flapping their wings. And then they'll have to flap their wings again and then there will time, time will come again when it can just soar. And it's very much like how we say our invocation. In the beginning, we start saying our invocation. And if God and his wisdom leads us into silence, there's no need to continue to say it over and over and over again. However, as soon as we notice ourselves becoming distracted or starting to think about something, we return to our invocation. And I think just on this point, people will oftentimes ask, how do I know if the silence I am encountering is from God? That's a great question. And the answer, I believe, is if you are thinking about it, then it is a time to return to your invocation. So let me explain that. St. Anthony of the Desert once said that a monk, or we could say a Christian, is truly praying when they are not aware that they are praying. In other words, in true prayer, there is no self-reflection. There is no analysis going on. So if in our time of prayer here, you know, we're thinking about, oh, wow, this, is, this feels great, or am I doing this right, or I wonder what's for, for dinner tonight, or maybe I should have said this other invocation, or the thousand other thoughts that just flow through our head. Once we become aware that that's going on, we return to our invocation, gently and with faith. And so the invocation then is like getting into a boat. And like Jesus says, casting out into the deep. For most of us, we need some sort of help to get out of our head, to get out of our distractions, and to get into these deeper places of our heart. And this is uh, the wisdom that the, the fathers and the elders who write about this prayer talk about. And I would like to, just in conclusion here, mention three fruits of the prayer of the heart. The first fruit would be prayer without ceasing or continual prayer. After time, our invocation will begin to spring up from the depths of our heart outside of prayer times. You know, if every day we're returning to this invocation, after time, it begins to take root in us. And we'll notice almost by surprise, maybe when we're stuck in traffic or when we're cooking or even before, before falling asleep at night or even when we first thing when we wake up in the morning, 
we begin to hear this prayer going on inside of us. It's quite beautiful. The second fruit is what the Eastern Church oftentimes refers, refers to as hesychasm. The prayer of the heart is meant to lead us to hezekiah, which is a Greek word which basically means inner stillness or quiet, which is not an end in itself, but is meant to help us live more consciously in the presence of God because our interior chatter has been quieted, at least for a time. And so this Hezekiah, this inner stillness, is essentially an attitude of listening to God and openness towards Him. And quite honestly, we need help to get to that listening because interiorly we're so loud. And so the prayer of the heart can help in that regard. And the last thing, the last fruit I'd like to mention, certainly the most important, is surrender. Prayer without ceasing, interior silence, if they are authentic, are meant to lead us to a deeper surrender to God with our whole being. After all, this is what life is all about. This is what prayer is all about. If you want to know if your spiritual life is working, is there a deeper surrender of your entire self to the Lord? The prayer of the heart is a wonderful tool that can help facilitate this surrender. And so if you find yourself drawn to this type of prayer, the basic recommendation is to give it a try for, let's say, a month or two every day, but to try to, to devote 15 to 30 minutes a day to this kind of prayer. And after a month or two goes by, ask the Holy Spirit to help examine if this kind of prayer is facilitating a greater surrender, a greater interior silence, and a greater uh, praying without ceasing. I hope this is helpful. And may God bless you and lead you deeper into his heart. Amen.